Welcome to Sheer Jeshub, brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. Let's join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the series on Heavenly Authority. We are going to continue the authority series today, and we will start looking at Samuel, who was a priest, a prophet, and a judge, and a very interesting person in the Old Testament. We can learn a lot about authority when we look at his life. He is the last judge. We study the book of Judges, and he's the first prophet in the list of the prophets that we'll study as we go on. But first, before we look at Samuel, today what we need to do is to review a little background. I want to speak a few moments about Shiloh. If you remember in Joshua chapter 18 and verse 1, we read, and this is during the time of Joshua, they've come into the promised land, this is during the conquest of Canaan. We read in verse 1, Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. So that's where they set up the tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant, is in this town, the city of Shiloh, when they come into the promised land. Later on, in the book of Judges, we read, in Judges chapter 18 and verse 31, when we read the section how part of the tribe of Dan abandoned their original territory and went north to establish the city of Dan as a false worship center, we read in verse 31, So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made, all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So during the time of the judges, uh, the house of God again is at Shiloh. And Shiloh is a city in the territory of Ephraim. And it served as a worship center during the days of the conquest of Canaan and throughout the time of the judges, before the time of the United Kingdom, before there was a king. Feasts, the feasts that the Lord God required of Israel, were held at Shiloh. They would go up to Shiloh. In Judges chapter 21 and verse 19, Then they said, in fact, there is a yearly feast of the Lord in Shiloh, which is, and it gives us some indication of where Shiloh is located, which is north of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes from Bethel to Shechem and south of Libona. So, you know, Shechem is north of Bethel. They're all both on on the west side of the Jordan River. And Shiloh is like midway between Bethel and Shechem in this territory of Ephraim and more towards the River Jordan. And so this is the place that they would go and celebrate uh, the Passover, the feasts of the Lord God. This was the place that the tabernacle was first set up, its first permanent home. This was the place that the Ark of the Covenant was in the most holy place where the priests and the Levites ministered before the Lord, when they first came into the promised land, 
throughout the time period, the hundreds of years uh, of judges. Now, we're going to go ahead and look at Chronicles, the first Chronicles chapter 5. And we'll return a few times to this scripture. Because we want to find out why. Why Shiloh? Why was Shiloh the first home for the tabernacle, for the dwelling of God in this time period we're studying? And when Samuel goes, when his mother goes to the tabernacle, it will be at Shiloh. And Shiloh is going to play an important role in understanding the ministry of Samuel and what happens after that with the kingship. So why was the first place the tabernacle was established? Why was it at Shiloh? First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1. In this section is given all the chronology, the genealogies of the different sons of Jacob and all the families that came from him. And it comes to Reuben. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, it's going to give us the sons of Reuben, who is the firstborn of Israel. And certainly Reuben of the sons, the 12 sons of Israel, or Jacob, right? Israel's another name for Jacob. Reuben was Jacob's firstborn son. And there's an importance to this concept of the firstborn. And if you've read any of the Bible, you, you know that. You've seen that phrase used over and over. There's an importance to the position as the firstborn son. The firstborn son had certain rights. The firstborn son had certain privileges. In Israel, the firstborn son had unusual value. Well, it's actually it's unusual for today at least. We're not used to this in American society. But even in other nations and throughout history, the firstborn son had a special place in the family. Um, unusual value was attached to the eldest son, and there were special privileges he received and special responsibilities that he was given that were required of him. He was loved in a special way, and he inherited these special rights and these special privileges. It was his birthright as a firstborn son. And one of the things that birthright provided was a double portion, a double part, a double portion of the estate and a leadership in the family, a leadership position in the family. When all the brothers would get a share of the estate, the eldest son, the firstborn son, would get a double share. He was to be his father's representative. And as the head of the home after his father's death, it fell to the eldest son customarily to care for his mother until her death. And he was to provide for his unmarried sisters until their marriage. And he was to serve as a family spiritual leader and head. He was supposed to also be there in the position not only of supervising, of leadership, as a representative of his father, as a leader of the family in practical matters, but he also was to be the leader of the family in spiritual matters. And this most excellent position, this exalted position, had importance to it, and it has importance to us in the scriptures because it gives us insight into the New Testament when it often speaks about Jesus 
as the firstborn and his high position, his unique relationship to the Father and to the church. And I'll just give you a couple of quick scriptures. In Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, speaking about the Lord Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. He is the firstborn over all creation. Down in verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He is the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn son. And when we understand the rights and privileges given the firstborn in the old covenant, we see the importance that Jesus has as the head of our family in the new covenant. The importance of the birthright is established in the very beginning. In the book of Genesis, you have the account in chapter 25. Now remember, the physical estate was divided up in favor of the firstborn son getting a double portion. But there's also spiritual blessings that are inherited. And we know the promise to Abraham. And that promise was passed on to his son Isaac. And it was worth something to Abraham and to Isaac. And we'll see how Esau, we read in chapter 25 and verse 29, Esau is the firstborn son, and yet it's not valuable to him. He's the firstborn son to Isaac. It says, now Jacob cooked the stew, his younger twin brother. And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. They're not identical twins, but they're born at the same time. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. He's desirous of this position as the firstborn. He wants this birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? He's so hungry. He comes in for the field. He's so hungry. He could care less about the significance of what it means to be the firstborn son. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. He couldn't care less about being the firstborn son. The importance, the privilege, the position in the family of being the firstborn son, Esau couldn't care. Jacob obviously cared. He wanted it. He didn't have it. He was the secondborn son by a few minutes, but he wanted it. And later on, uh, in Genesis chapter 27, now it came to pass, verse 1, when Isaac was uh, old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So he's ready to give the blessing of the firstborn son 
establishing him before all his brothers to the camp to his firstborn son Esau. So what happened between Esau and Jacob has been disregarded, if even known, by Isaac. But God will work it out that Jacob gets this right. And we know the account of how when Esau goes out, how Rebekah, desiring Jacob to receive the blessing, has him wear hairy skins to look like Esau and smell like Esau, and she prepares the food. And Jacob goes in, and Isaac is old, and he can't see, and he gives the blessing of the firstborn. You read about it in uh, verse 27. And he came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Thank you for listening to the program today. If you would like to write to us or help support the evangelical outreach of our church, please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box, 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the yellow brick and white building. Please join us next time for Sheer Jeshub.